Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We started a new series today. This is intro into tech sales management. We have, this is kind of a hybrid. This is a listener's choice. We had a listener reach out to us. He's embarking on a new career in sales management. As many successful salespeople do, they get tapped on the shoulder to take on their first M1 job. Bobby, is that kind of how it happened to you too? It did, it did. My first manager job, actually I was still a consultant, but it was the same thing. I won consultant of the year and was promoted. Because the best individual contributors always make the best managers, right? Uh, not so much the case, but we're going to help some people on this podcast maybe resolve some of those uh, hiccups and or uh, stubbing their toes in this episode and the next two. It's, it's a challenging next step, and it's, it can be a very fruitful next step, uh, too. So I, I think we're going to talk about, you know, over the course of the series... Some of the stumbling blocks, the challenges that you may anticipated, and maybe how to overcome those. And sometimes it's going to be challenges that you've not even thought that you might come across, that you will come across. Um, Bobby and I, we were talking about how it's really three or four jobs in one, being a first-line sales manager. And it's often called the most challenging job um, at the company. I, I would challenge that a bit and say that a top sales rep, that's a pretty... That's a pretty hard-charging, challenging role. But there are some nuances to sales leadership that uh, are quite challenging. Because that that M2, that, that manager, your new manager, the manager of managers, we call it an M2, still wants you and it's going to hold you and your team accountable to get every deal done. You can't just kind of point at the team and say, well, they didn't close enough business. Uh, it doesn't work that way. You're still 100% accountable to delivering the number for the business. And if I'm that first manager and I just took the job on and let's say, Brian, you work for me and you don't have a reverse timeline or you have no work back plan, I can just tell my boss that, hey, Brian doesn't know when the deal's going to get done, so we don't know. Right. Yeah, that'll go over really well. <laughs> so then you're actually doing the salesperson's job on your team if they don't have that stuff and you're driving them towards success and and. We'll talk a lot about a lot of traps, but that's the first trap is that you start doing their job, but we'll get to that later. Um, I think that M2 wants you to get every deal done, no matter where the reps think those deals are at. And then the team that you just took over, they're wanting you to be the best manager ever. Uh, and you may not have any training um, to, to be their manager, but that's all they want you to do. And if you listen to any of our podcasts, you've heard the challenger sell over and over. At a minimum, there's five different types of salespeople, and those five different types of salespeople probably need a little bit of a different uh, poke or prod or hug uh, to be able to be a better sales rep for you. So you're now managing five different types of people who all they want you to be is the best manager you can be. And all five have a different interpretation of what a great manager is, too. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah multidimensional challenges there, too. The company needs you to be building a bench of talents. Uh, most of us work for companies that are growing and changing and expanding and all that kind of good stuff. They don't want to open up a new headcount for you. And then it takes six months to fill that position. So they, they need you to have a bench going of potential candidates too. So that's part of the job as well. And I would say in, in many cases that I've seen, uh, the, the, all of those people still want you to be an active player coach 
and be at the customer site closing deals using your title using your new job and it's it's not always effective sometimes it helps but uh, you got to think now you got to be in the field with every rep on your team closing those deals keeping up with administrative tasks doing all this recruiting and talent building we're talking about i i, I can agree brian being the best rep is is a big big ask but taking over a struggling team in a big company i still would say is the hardest job in in it sales for sure yeah so bobby we've got a three-part series that we're going to cover a lot of these subjects about um we've kind of got the first two parts of the series broken out to uh, let's let's call it year one but it could really be the first six months or so and then the second that's kind of like that's kind of stabilizing from you were an individual contributor you were you know you're ultimately accountable for running a successful business as an individual contributor, and you're making that transition into management. The second part of this series is going to be um, once you've kind of stabilized and you've kind of solidified the team, uh, what kind of things can you be doing proactive to build a more sustainable business? And then the third part of this series are going to be three pitfalls, and these are real three kind of chunky topics that we'll talk about. Um, when it comes to developing yourself professionally as a first-line sales manager. Yeah, and, and the timelines are just titles of episodes, right? I think the reality is is it could be six months or it could be three years. I've seen a lot of teams take a lot longer to recover than, than what we thought as well. But the, the key here is there's a transition period. you still got your book of business. you got to transition all that book of business while you're taking over the manager job. And as you do that, that could take some time. Then you got to stabilize the team and kind of get your rhythm of the business in place. And we hopefully can help you dodge some of those pitfalls. So let's jump right in. Uh, this is episode one, part one. We'll call it year one. And and we would be amiss if we didn't start talking about really just that first 90 days. Brian, can you remember your first 90 days? Yeah, so my first job, Bobby, was uh, as a first-line manager was at Microsoft maybe a decade ago. And we, we kind of joked about it before, but most uh, most first-time managers were top sales reps before. So you already have this mindset of what it takes to get a deal done, the you know driving results, driving an evaluation plan, managing negotiations. And, you know, For some of these deals, you're on a texting relationship with your prospective customers. Uh, in other cases, you are you know the, the aggressive inside salesperson that is continuing to push and push and push. So I think the biggest pitfall or one of the number one pitfalls is doing the job for the reps rather than managing the reps. Yeah, it's tough to let go of that, especially if you are a challenger sales rep. Um, if you have any of that lone wolf in you uh, and you become that first line manager, it's going to be really hard to let go. Uh, I've heard managers say their job is to tell people what to do and and that's that's a that's the exact opposite of managing yes yes but how do you let a rep that you don't have confidence in pick up that phone or go on that meeting and you sit there and keep your mouth shut i think it was hard for me it will always be hard for me if i have those experiences again and i i see it happen regularly where managers in the room don't let their direct reports that's what that's on the customer side too by the way that the manager of someone isn't letting their person negotiate a deal or talk through a deal or do all those things but i see sales managers on calls all the time promise to keep their mouth shut and start doing the sales call in the first 10 minutes and don't stop 
then obviously the biggest challenge from that is that if you show yourself to be the alpha in the room, the customer or the prospective customer is going to come to you because they see that you as the person that's going to get things done. You, you can't afford to do that, not only because it undermines the sales rep's job, but it'll burn you out. There's no way you can sustain running what you are responsible for, a territory, if you are the one on the hook and working every single deal. You may be able to do it for a few deals. You may be even able to do it for the first year, but you will burn yourself out. No doubt, for sure. Let's talk about the next one. We were we were successful. Uh, if you're that new first-time manager or even in a player-coach role like our listener was, you, you've been achieving great results, and you know how important results are if you're in sales. And you get asked to do one or two things. I have a friend who just committed to take a trip to a, a coastal town because he felt obligated by his company. He's on the other end of this microphone. And it's it's hard to not commit, but it, it's really hard in this stage of your career as a new first-line manager not to overcommit on things. And it's the second big pitfall that happens in that first 90 days. Hey, can you have this QBR? Can you get your team to the city? Can you do this? Can you close all this business? There's a million things that are going to be thrown at you, and you've got to find a way to balance your relationship with you and your new manager uh, and say, which one of these things don't you want me to accomplish? Because it just can't all get done. And that's hard, hard to do when you're a first, first 90 days manager, for sure. I, I am definitely a people pleaser that <clears throat> always, anytime I take these tests, those little online tests, that's what I fall into. So I, I naturally want to I, I naturally want other people to uh, like working with me and overcommitting is a big challenge for me because I want to be helpful I want them to feel like they're getting value from me uh, but you got to get comfortable with saying I don't know I'll get back to you I don't know you need to check with this person but if you if you try to sign up for too much and can and, and overcommit yourself you're going to do yourself far more harm than good. I've also seen managers, and Brian, I'd like to hear your feedback on this one. Those new managers who tell the M2 yes to everything, and then the other executive comes to town, they say yes to everything. And then they have their team meeting, and they delegate. They try to delegate all that stuff out. So then you got salespeople who are working on new ways to manage Salesforce or the CRM package, and they're not getting paid to do it, so it's going to get half-assed. And then you got other people working on special projects and cross-group collaboration stuff or working with marketing for an event, and it's not in their role either, how much of that stuff gets done really well if you overcommit and try and share it with your team? Because you're the boss now. You can tell your team what to do. You can, but I think the life we've chosen is a life of delivering a number. And marketing events are important, and they're great to running a long-term sustainable business, you, you, if you're the manager that overcommits his team to doing a bunch of administrative work, um, marketing work, when you have a great marketing team, you're, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Uh, you need your team fully committed to closing business and prospecting, prospecting new business. Um, you sign your team up or sign yourself up for a bunch of activity that doesn't directly lead to that. Uh, good luck. Cause you're going to really struggle for your first, if you, if it doesn't, if it doesn't hurt you in the first six months, it's going to hurt you down the road because it will it will take away from something. Whether it's uh, prospecting, you know that 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 comes around and bites you in six months from now, or if it's closing business actively, it will impact you. 
no doubt. Uh, the last one in the first 90 days that, unfortunately, I've probably done it. I've seen other people do it, and it's it's just a it's a natural instinct in some way is that people badmouth their previous manager, and maybe it's not even badmouthing, but it is. It's changing everything right away. It's saying that this system didn't work, so we're going to do it my way. It, it There's a whole bunch in that, but if you put your old boss down or you put their old boss down, I don't think you could possibly understand all the politics that are going on in the area to be able to do that, to do that with a legitimacy that the team's going to respect. We, I, I t- we talk about it as a family unit all the time. Um, there are always two sides of the story. Uh, pretending you understand that that perspective uh, is a recipe for looking silly down the road. No doubt. Uh, so yeah, stick and, and it's not a it's not a humble way to run a business anyway. So yeah, I couldn't agree with that more, Bobby. To recap. That's part one of episode one. This is the first 90 days. And just the three gotchas that we want to call out is doing instead of managing, over committing, and bad-mouthing your previous manager. Before we jump into part two of this episode, let's remind our listeners about our first sponsor. It's Pigeon TV, P-I-J-N dot TV. Subscribers to Pigeon TV are entered in a weekly raffle for thousands of dollars in prize money. Brian, why don't you tell us how it works? Yeah, so Pigeon TV delivers short video content on a weekly basis that explains insight behind a relevant emerging tech company. We love what they're doing. Uh, this this is kind of founded by a guy that was an early guest on the Tech Sales Show, Phil Wilhelm. He and that team are doing some great things, and they're going to kind of sweeten the pot for Tech Sales Show listeners. So if you're um, a listener to the show, go to pigeon.tv. Again, that's P-I-J-N.tv. Subscribe. It takes 20 seconds to subscribe and enter TSS in the promo code. And if you enter TSS in the promo code, you'll automatically get double the number of entries in their weekly prize raffle for Feb- for really January, February, and March, all of Q1. No doubt, Pigeon TV is the insight you need regarding emerging tech companies along with the prize money you deserve. Go subscribe today. Do it. It's easy. it takes you 30 seconds. Go get it done. So on to part two now. Uh, the first half of that year, we've, we've talked about the first 90 days, but there's some big pieces to, in my mind, and why we called out the first half is there's a Q1 and a Q2, or you might be a Q2, Q3 first line manager. Wherever you landed in that job, your first two quarters give you a lot of opportunity to get to know your team, transition your old work off. And I would say by the, by the, sec, by the end of that second quarter that you're managing, you should have a lot of the big pieces done. And these are some more pitfalls that come either in the first 90 days or in that second quarter, uh, kind of as you're in that first half of your year. Um, I would say the failing to manage and communicate in all directions is one that I've seen everybody struggle with and I've struggled with it. It sounds like I've been a terrible manager, but it's just so freaking hard to, to do it all at once. Uh, it's, it's amazing. But I think in this bullet, everything from marketing to product groups to all the other people you would be dealing with to partners to your leadership team to individual contributors to your peers to your manager to your family it it is a lot of information Uh, just the travel schedule alone kicked my butt in many instances and i didn't do a good job of communicating with my home group so it's it's a real real deal um 
uh, on being able to communicate in all directions. We we talked about this is the other end of the spectrum, right? I think we get we're we have a number to deliver to the business as a individual contributor, as a first line manager. So we become hyper focused on closing business, prospecting for new business, and you cannot lose um, perspective on who your vertical peers are, and and what parts of the business are healthy and unhealthy. So let's say that marketing is doing a fantastic job, but let's say inside sales is not doing a great job. Maybe you need to make a trip out to where the inside sales team is and, and create some better alignment there. You, you have to know who are these stakeholders, make a list of them, and then prioritize who you need to work with, what, what parts um, of the business are healthy, what parts of the business are unhealthy. Get perspective from the team too. Like We, we don't want to assume that the team you're, you're now managing is a team that you're familiar with. This could be a brand new part of the organization that you have no idea how maybe the solution consultants are working with the team. So take a step back, talk to the team, understand who all these stakeholders are, make a list, prioritize it, and then make sure you're communicating and working with people in all directions. Communication is also a two-way street. It's both communicating out of your mouth and listening with your ears. I would say there's a big piece that I see happening in my organization today, or the organization that I'm leaving, and that is that managers, for some reason, they feel like communication is attending every QBR. And I just don't think that a manager, meaning product group managers, or, or the specialization groups like the at Microsoft to be the server team guys or the, the the office guys and girls, that those people attend every, you know, if they send the whole quarter going to everybody's QBRs, they're not in front of customers, they're not helping close deals, they're not helping us with our pitch. And, and to just travel to travel and put your head in everybody's business a little bit, that's, that's not going to be a way to communicate broad and help them grow their businesses. So think broad, but at the same time, try and protect your time as a new manager in that first half and make sure you're, you're as Brian said, know what's healthy, know what's unhealthy, and apply the right resources to both so that you can get to a balanced, healthy business across the board. The next one, and I'm sure, Bobby, neither one of us have ever seen this, somebody that uses their title to kind of bully people around. <laughs> using your title and your 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 kind of quote unquote newfound power to get the job done. If I had a dollar for every time I was told that an executive was coming to town, just set up a meeting for them to get it done, or pull it across the line with no relationship, or would do you like him to call and, and get it done? We we have a lot of executives make phone calls uh, for Dell EMC that they just they don't know why the deal didn't get done right after they. I mean, they didn't receive the check through the phone, right? Um, it, it is shocking that people think their title means so much to a customer that I, I hate to say, but could literally care less. I mean, think if if you think you, by you stepping into this this manager role is going to somehow have some magical effect on the people that now work for you, you're gonna you're gonna have a surprise awakening. I mean, we've we've all been individual contributors and sellers. How many times have we said, "Man, I could, I would get that deal done if I only had a better manager." No yeah. way. It's yeah. it's all we we put we put heavy accountability on ourselves as sellers. So, um, so I would say, don't be a title bully. I don't think we got any listeners that are a title bully, but 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 put that in perspective a bit. I'll say this too that I I would. We talked about it a lot in other episodes. So there is reason to have executive alignment on your deals, and there is reasons to use people with titles. But if you do it just at the end of the deal, 
uh, at the closing part or as an excuse on why you as a new manager aren't getting your business to healthy uh, it's not gonna it's not gonna fruitfully grow your career in any way shape or form but uh, make sure you do have some executive alignment we don't want to talk talk out of that so those are the two big gotchas that uh, on top of the first 90 days failing to manage and communicate in all directions and relying on your newfound power to get something done is not going to be fruitful for your first half of this new manager job so let's talk about the second half of that first year right so we've talked about the first 90 days the the, the first half as a whole and now uh, to end this rat episode we'll talk about the second half and three things that we think you got to be real careful about doing if you want to be successful as a new manager brian why don't you kick us off with the second half yeah the first thing is you've now had a chance to to get kind of step in get established You've you've now cleared through the 10,000 emails and new reports that you're accountable for at this point. So you're starting to kind of get a grasp as to what the job entails, and you think, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make some changes here. And while it's certainly you do have to prioritize what parts of the business need a plan, uh, and we're gonna do a book review on this. Um, uh, the first 90 days is, is very big on this. Some things do need a plan. Some things do need a change. But not everything needs to change and not everything needs to be run the way you used to run your business. If it's working, don't don't add it to a list of, man, I've got to get this working the way I expect it to work. Unless it's broken, right? So have a plan for things that need a plan. But if things are working, there is no, don't, don't feel like just because it's not done the way that you've always run your own business that it's got to be run this way. I'll add to that a little bit, say that, while things do need to be changed, it's always better if it's not just the new manager coming in and changing things. So uh, across the first half and as you get into the second half and you're thinking about making some changes, I wouldn't bring anything up. Let's just use an example of the the thing that I've changed probably pretty regularly in most changes, the time of the Monday meeting. That's something that everybody has blocked on their calendar forever into perpetuity, and you want to change it for whatever reason, for your home life or your the way you like to run your business if it's you saying we are going to change the team meeting from 9 a.m to a lunchtime working session every monday half the team might like it half the team might hate it you're never going to please everybody but sure would be better if the team came to you and said we'd like to have a working lunch instead of that so just start socializing things that people like about the schedule ask them what they would change Bring it up in a team meeting. It takes longer to get some consensus and buy-in for some of these changes. And this is a basic, simple example. But if half the team said, we'd like to do a working lunch, half the team said, we'd like to leave it the same, what if you did it every other way? For one quarter, you did the working lunch, one quarter, you did the morning. The whole team would be bought into that. And it would be their idea. It wouldn't be you, the new guy or the new girl coming in saying, we're changing the team meeting. So kind of part of the talking in all directions or communicating in all directions is when you make changes make them someone else's idea as well so to wrap that thought up get others to have the ideas don't just make all the changes yourself it will benefit you long term in your career next as it relates to the second half of this first year analysis paralysis is something that can really bite you if you and i've seen it both where they thought they were doing really good and where I just don't know what they were thinking. But I've seen people think that they can grow every deal. So they had a pipeline of $2 million worth of deals and they could have closed $2 million worth of deals in that quarter 
and they tried to turn it into $5 million worth of deals to blow it out, and they closed half of what they saw because every deal got drug out. Don't analyze everything and think that you can make it big. Brian, I know you have a quote you love as it relates to analysis paralysis. Yeah, and there's, there's two sides to this coin. So uh, the coin, that, the side I like, uh, Khan Academy, if you're familiar with this. If you're not, you should check it out. They're funded by Google, and I think even the Department of Education helped provide some funding to them, too. They're basically an online education center that um, if you've got a student that's trying to improve in math, it kind of helps um, by measuring where they're at and then gives them questions uh, based off what it feels they don't understand. Uh, so it kind of shortens the path to uh, understanding different concepts. Fascinating, fascinating technology. And it's it's not just math. It's it's virtually every subject you could imagine. And now they owe and, us a sponsorship fee just because you did all that. <laughs> now they owe us a sponsorship fee. Uh, so the name is Khan Academy, K-A-H-A-N, K-H-A-N Academy. And his quote is, shipping beats perfection. Move fast, break things. And it... Uh, I, I think what I, I I can certainly appreciate kind of the Ryan Holiday approach, the other side of the coin of a perennial seller and only producing the highest quality best stuff. But uh, to Bobby, it's kind, of, kind of to your point, you can't you cannot analyze 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 to the point to where you are burning time. We move. We are all in an industry that thrives on speed to decisions and speed to new customers. Uh, so at some point, you're going to have to make a call, and you're going to learn from those decisions. You're going to make some bad calls, and you're going to make some good calls. The point is, shipping beats perfection. Make the decisions quick, and make sure you're learning from what uh, decisions you may have made too quick or made uh, without all the right information. I'm not sure how everybody feels about it, but one thing I've done in the last couple of years, and not 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 to perfection, not to consistency, but I've journaled quite a bit. Uh, last year, I kept a journal of everything amazing that I got to do. And I'll share that with people uh, in the coming months, but journal some of this stuff and keep track of it. As Brian said, if you don't learn from these mistakes, you're not going to be any better next go around. And you got to, you got to write down the feedback you get. You got to go back and read it. Um, it, It's something that you might add to your repertoire uh, so that you can reflect on some of this stuff. The third part of the second half uh, and the end of this, this episode really will be, uh, repeating some of the things that your previous manager's bad habits were. Um, maybe I didn't say that really well, but it's doing the bad things that your previous manager did. And I've seen a lot of people do it because you liked to be managed that way, maybe, and you did it again. Uh, it could go to the, my old manager told me what to do, so that's me. I'm going to do it again and tell everybody what to do. Um, I think I've had managers that use that power and that that, that kind of, I've seen that translate into new managers where they try to use that power of title because their previous manager did it. What are some bad habits that you've seen previous managers and then new managers do, Brian, that you you just thought, God, if they could see what they're doing, they would know it was one of those bad things that the previous manager was doing? Well, I can think of a lot of things. I think what the common denominator through all of those items is that and, and I can be guilty of this too, is that sometimes we get so inundated by uh, the trees that we don't take a step back and see the forest. And that's very easy to do. We, we can all think of times as sellers to where we've, we've been involved in a deal or prospecting a new group of customers and we get so overwhelmed by the sheer volume of what's going on and the sheer newness of what's going on as you take a first line sales manager role 
that you you don't take a step back and look at the forest. So I think the the biggest piece of advice and feedback we could give you here is to have a strong mentor network, people that can help you get your head out of the weeds and see the bigger picture. And then also make sure you're enriching yourself. You're reading new books. Um, don't they don't have to be tech books. I, I have found my biggest learning through reading books like Conspiracy, when we talked about on a previous uh, episode um, with the the Peter Thiel and Ryan Holiday, read books that are that are interesting. They can they can kind of expand your mind. Uh, they don't have to be kind of managerial concept books. They can be just books that help you uh, expand your thought process. But broaden your horizon, kind of get your head out of the weeds, and speak to your mentors. And finally, to that, I'll say one thing that I never did early on, and I did I haven't done it up until really the last twelve months, is is really carve out time to just think and reflect. Right? Uh, I've been through some manager courses at Microsoft where we literally would break and have thirty minutes of reflection, and I thought, why are we wasting this time? This is so stupid. But I think all great leaders, Warren Buffett down through every other big name you could probably think of, carves out time on their schedule to think, reflect, make sure they're doing what's the big picture here, what am I trying to accomplish, or my, does my calendar reflect what my goals are in the coming weeks, and, and rips stuff off that doesn't really meet those goals and those desires that the person's trying to achieve. So I, I would say final tip there would be, Block some time on your calendar to just think. Spend some time on the nights and weekends to just think. Making your inbox get to zero is not success. I can assure you of that. Well, it's one of my big goals every day. It's still not making me successful. Not at all. One thing, Bobby, that will make you successful, you like this segue? Yeah. Is subscribing to Pigeon.tv. That's P-I-J-N.tv. P-I-J-N.tv. Subscribers to Pigeon TV are entered into a weekly raffle for thousands of dollars in prize money. Bobby, why don't you tell the listeners how it works? Pigeon TV delivers short video content on a weekly basis that explains the insight behind a relevant emerging tech company. We love what one-time guests and friend Phil Wilhelm and Pigeon TV are doing and making it even better today for tech social listeners. If you subscribe to Pigeon TV using promo code TSS, you will get double the entries to their weekly prize drawings in the first three months of this year, January, February, March, and you have a chance to win some big bucks. That's right, Bobby. Pigeon TV, that's the insight you need regarding emerging tech companies along with the prize money you deserve. Take 30 seconds, y'all. 30 seconds, go register, subscribe. That is, enter TSS in the promo code. Thanks again, Pigeon TV. Uh, With that, average is the enemy. Average sucks. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.